First John. First John two. Thank you, Jesus. God has been so very good to us and uh, appreciate my church family more than ever. We've come a long way. Many of us have come through a lot of, a lot of battles and talked about it here very recently about how battles can draw us together. The fire can, can bind us together, and it should. It should. And, and uh, hallelujah. We turn to First John 2. Just believe this is, this is going to be some, some practical just instruction for the church. I feel like this is a topic that this church is doing better than ever. But it's something that we have struggled with and fought against in so much of the teaching over the years. And I, I want to just try to make this vision plain and clear to you today. Appreciate uh, Brother Christopher being in the service tonight and everything you had to say, brother. And so much of it really uh, about what we're going to be teaching tonight. So uh, God just knows, doesn't he? Father, we love you. Thank you for your presence here tonight. Thank you, Lord. You know what each one of us needs. And, and God, we're living in these last days. You told us in your word that they were perilous times. And, Lord, dangerous spiritual battles that we are facing, God. And more than ever, the church needs to bind together, Lord. More than ever, we need you to help us. And I'm asking you, Lord, that through your anointing, God, not only on the preaching, but on the hearing of your word, that you'd help us do better. That you'd help us, Lord, be stronger together in you. And, Lord, that you'd help us be, Lord, that light in this dark day and age. We love you. We thank you, God. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. First John 2, verse 9. If you've uh, read First John recently, you know that, uh, you know, it, it, you find that you'll read this and say, wow, uh, maybe I'm not taking this serious enough. It's really just black and white. And First uh, John 2, 9 says, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness, even until now. doesn't matter that you're saying it. Your deeds will prove just whether you're in the light or not. Now, I know it's easy for any of us to say, oh, I don't hate anybody. Well, let's continue. He that loveth his brother. So do you love them? Praise God. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. There's no middle ground, is there? Well, I don't really hate them. You either love them or you hate them, according to what John is saying. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. There's security in loving one another. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. To have vision of what God is really doing in the church, sometimes it, uh, it's not as common as you might think. But let's look at these next few verses. Verse 12. He addresses the church and he says, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men 
because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because ye have known the Father. I write unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you young men because ye are strong and in the word and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. God bless you. You can be seated. What I want every one of us to recognize here tonight is that as God addresses the church and he specifically calls out three different, can you say, just groups of people that are in three different stages of the process of what God has for us. I think a lot of times people come into church and they recognize God's been working on me. Oh, God's been helping me, and I'm not what I was yesterday, but I'm not what I want to be. And God's just have patience on me, and I'm, I'm praise God, I'm, I'm growing in His grace, I'm growing in His strength. I'm, hopefully, I'm not as immature spiritually in my faith and my walk as I was, but God, keep helping me grow. Thank you for your patience with me. But realizing that as a church, there are some people in this church that that have more experience than you have. Amen. In a family, that just ought to flow together beautifully. You've got people that have experience, that are, that are examples. Amen. And they're not looking at the ones that are younger than them, saying, Psh, huh, look at them. So dumb. Why don't you know better than that? Amen. But they're using their experience to help them grow, to teach them. Amen. Young people that in this day and age, sadly, there is very little respect and very little honor. And that is a that is a grave sin against this generation. We see it very much condemned in the Bible. But young people that that are young, they are they they aren't mature because they're young. Amen. But they're learning. And they're growing. Amen. There's others that, they're not the babies, but they're not the adults. But all they're doing everything they can to fight the fight. Amen. There's a process. There's a process. Jesus talks about this process in Mark, the fourth chapter. In Mark 4, Jesus says to them, verse 26, he said unto them, So the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day. Now understand, when he says night and day, that means there was a process of time. It doesn't say he just woke up and boom, there is the harvest. But he should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. And he knoweth not how. Sometimes the process is so slow, you don't realize, you don't see it happening, but day by day, maybe week by week, you can see some pro- progress. Amen? Progress of the process. I better be careful with those tongue twisters. Verse 28 says, For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. So again, you see very clear stages of a process. The children, the young men, the fathers seen in this. We can see some, 
symbolism in the Old Testament. There was in the tabernacle and then later on in the temple. All those things have significance and and are very symbolic not only of Jesus but also of Jesus in the church. Jesus talked about being the light, but then he said, ye are the light of the world. Amen? When you look at the candlesticks that brought light in the temple, it was one piece of gold that was beaten into these candlesticks, which were more like a lampstand, really. We think of candles, we think of wax sticks, but these were gold stands that were filled with oil, and all the oil flowed through it as one piece, as the church is one in Christ. Amen? And the Bible says, I'll read this to you from Exodus, says that the bowls are made like almonds, and the King James says, with a knop and a flower in one branch, and three bowls made like almonds, and the other branch with a knop and a flower. So in the six branches that come out of the candlestick, there was a central candlestick, and then six others that would come out of that central candlestick, all being fed with the same oil. And those candlesticks, that piece of gold was was uh, made in such a fashion of an olive uh, plant, but in that plant there were there was the bud the knob the flower and the fruit the almond each one of the stages of growth that were active in bringing light into the tabernacle no matter what stage of growth you're in you're important to the house of god i realize i know there's a lot let me just mention this briefly there's a lot of talk in the world and trying to help people that are hurting and and, and it's easy. There's so many just kind of shallow compliments. So it's easy to think, well, you're just another person telling me this. But God told you this. God shows in his word that the same way that you would never have a baby or a toddler in the home and say, what a waste of time. Grow up and get back to me. You have nothing to offer this family. I pay the bills here. No, that baby offers so much joy. Amen. Yeah, they're a lot of work, but... But they bring joy. Amen. And um, the same way in the house of God, everybody has value. Praise God. In this world, I know the, the elderly are, are forgotten. That's why I think it's so important. So many different reasons I could spend time with talking about going to the nursing home and spend just a little bit of time. But, but to let people know that they matter to somebody. Amen. To, to let them know. You say, well, I, I just don't know how many people are being saved. How many people have you got saved this month? Praise the Lord. But if you can if you can take some time and, and just show somebody that you care about them, that they have value, I think that is a, such a great a great testimony. And it'll help you. And um God cares about those that are forgotten. God cares about those and, and every every part of of the church is so important. Um in our text it talks about the fathers and, you know, the one thing about having maturity, the one thing about having experience is really the old, the scripture comes to mind, who much is given, much is required. So 
to have that experience, to have that maturity means that you have a lot of that burden laid on your shoulders. And I'm going to be addressing those that have been in church the longest here. And everybody else, you can sit there and say, yeah, listen to them. Him, he need, you need that. Now, you'll get something, too, out of this, I'm sure. But if you ever want to be used of God, if you ever feel like God wants to work in you, and I feel like that ought to be 100% across the board, this is the goal and this is the heart of, of true ministry. It says about the fathers twice. First John says that you knew him from the beginning. That, that is speaking of experience. And with experience comes wisdom. With experience comes that maturity and that ability to, to help in a way that... And, and I, I know what it's like. I, you know, the Bible says, uh, you know, I'm, I was young, but now I'm old. I'm, I'm older than I was. And uh, I, I know what it's like to think, you know... Uh, so much is always put on. I, I, want, I want to be that one that has the maturity. I want to be the one that has the experience. And I know a lot. You do know a lot. But you don't know as much as you think you know. And um, there's nothing that can, can replace that. So when you have somebody around you that has that experience and a heart to be able to pour that into you, that's like gold. That's like gold. I am... I'm surprised sometimes how little people try to lean on experience, how much they feel like, oh, I got this. And when, when there's so much help available sometimes and, and for you to be able to get that help is so wise, it, it, it'll, it will. It's there's nothing more. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to constantly wonder and figure this out. There's other people that have fought battles and have gone through this. Amen. Being a pastor for 25 years, there's just some things that, that more than ever I, I see in my ministry. I think, you know, i just seen it enough to know this is what works and this is what doesn't work. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can see it a mile away. It just doesn't work that way. But when they can just get in the groove and, but, oh, I know I can do it. I can make it work. Nah, that's, the, that's inexperience talking. Fathers have that knowledge that has been from the beginning, and that's valuable in the house of God. Praise God. It talks about the young men, talks about them overcoming the enemy, talks about them being strong because the word abides in them. And uh, thank God for those that are laborers, those that are fighting the fight. Amen. That, that we all, do, though, though you're doing a good job, that doesn't mean that you don't need that help in your life. I feel like that, that insecurity in church needs to just go. Where you can be awesome and just say, hey, I'm awesome because I've, I, I'm, I'm teachable and I don't know it all. When you feel like it's a, it's a bad thing, it's, the Bible talks about the wise that will receive instruction. And that's a positive thing. You ought to seek that out. You ought to seek that out. Praise God. And it talks about children. And all it really says about the children is that they had been forgiven and they know God. It doesn't say about any, any experience, of course. It doesn't say anything about them winning any battles. But they know God and they're forgiven. Praise God. All this, the fathers, the young men, the children all work together to be the church. What we need 
is a patience and an understanding of how the family of God works together to get where we need to be. And that's our children growing into young men and then one day being fathers, Lord willing. That the young men, praise God, can in their battle and in their zeal. And we all need to work together for that. Too often it has been the case. When we see people in different stages of their maturity, of their growth, and sometimes we've got people coming in the house of God that that they're not Christians, they're not saved. Amen. People that, that need this. And I thank God for people that are sensitive and wise enough to be able to handle themselves well. You know, you can't be reckless with somebody else's children. You shouldn't be reckless with your own. You know what it says in, in Colossians? It says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. talks about bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord in Ephesians. Nurture, listen now, nurture is the process of caring for and encouraging growth or development in someone or something. Encouraging growth. You're wise. You've been in this for a while. You've got experience. When somebody's struggling, when somebody may fail, don't provoke them to anger or wrath. Nurture them. And know what it's like. I relate probably a lot easier than some of you to those that are weak, those that just know how to know how to embarrass themselves. I'm so good at it. I tell people I've just got a black belt in being awkward, and kind of got to a place where I realized, as somebody who's been in this for a while, that. Uh, I had to cut myself some slack because, you know what, I didn't get a lot of slack from too many other people. And some of you know what that's like. Amen. Have to look back at yourself and say, hey, you were a child. You didn't have experience. The people that beat you up emotionally, mentally, because you didn't have experience, you're so immature. Well, people that lack are, are young do lack maturity. It's not a common thing to be wise when you just start now. And you're so full of fire, so full of zeal. And you need all the help you can get. But too often in church, you find people where you can just see it sometimes written on their faith. Their look, rolling their eyes. You know, psh, look at that. Listen to that. Look at how they do it. You know something about that I realized? Jesus continually dealt with Pharisees and people that criticized him and said, basically, well, how do your followers, how do your children do it? Wisdom is justified in her children, he would say so often. And that means in what you produce, what you have to say to criticize means so little. How are you doing it better? And as a pastor, as someone that I, that I do all that I can to pray that we reach the goal, that we are the church that stands before Jesus together. And here's well done. Amen. That we want to see every one of you in heaven so much. Hallelujah. I know, I know what doesn't work. 
feeling like you're being put down, feeling discouraged, says, fathers, don't let them provoke your children that they'd be discouraged. Now, that's good teaching for the home. Amen. But God directs us to the church and some of us to be fathers, to be examples, to be nurturers, to encourage growth, not discourage. And it's so hard. Some of us know what it's like to to just... I'm not singing the blues. I know a lot of people, even some of you, have had it so much harder than I had it. But uh, but dysfunctional some, sometimes. That's just, just all we've ever known. Amen? And you come into the kingdom of God. You get around Christians. You crave that help that you know you need. Amen? You're looking for it. I already know what it's like to be picked on. I had a lot of that. I already know what it's like where people who are insecure try to make you look bad so they feel better about themselves. That's common. You feel sorry for bullies. You feel sorry for the people that got to brag about themselves. That they have to be the most important person in the room all the time. You know they're just frightened, insecure little children inside that, that need Jesus. But when you come into the house of God and, and there's people that are fathers people that are nurturers, people that care about you even when you stumble. They're they're not giving up on you. Amen. Even when everybody's saying they're a waste of time, you're saying, I was a waste of time. Hallelujah. That you relate to the weak and you see that and, and to realize that to turn up your nose to to just Shake your head and act like, why bother? What's the use? Jesus relates to the weak. That he says, when you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Why is it so common for people that say they are more serious about God and loving God and serving God and every part of my life being right? So easy for them to look at children, spiritual children, and discourage them and criticize them. It's so sad because it sticks out like a sore thumb. People see it. It's distasteful. It's, it's, it's ugly when there's a holy presence of God in the room. Amen. How we need to encourage The Bible says, let me say it again, to nurture, bring them up in nurture and admonition. That we recognize the process that some people are in. You know, God's placed us together. God's put us together. And and you can do so much good, but you'll never be the Holy Ghost. God's good at being the Holy Ghost. What do I mean? Just taking the word of God that was preached and digging it down into your life and saying, you don't need to be playing that game all day. (laughs) You don't need to be wearing that. You don't need to be talking like that. Amen. You keep loving people and God's changing people. You keep on helping encourage. It's so easy to get. You know, we come around. We've got things. How how long do you have about all the things that we come against that discourage us in this world? 
just it's a discouraging world. You got a job, you probably get discouraged occasionally. You deal with people in this world, you probably get discouraged occasionally. You got people in your family that might not be just living for God yet, you probably get discouraged sometimes. But we come to the house of God, we need to purposely. Amen. You can do damage, and I say, you know what? That's a soul. Well, I wasn't trying to discourage them. You don't have to try. That's like saying, I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to let my house get dusty. You remember when our grass used to grow? Praise God, in the, in the spring and summer. <laughs> I'm not trying to let, that, uh, let get my grass long. You don't have to try. You've got to work hard at keeping it looking good. Amen. I'm not trying to get dirty. No, you've got to try to keep clean. Isn't that right? That's why evolution is such a, a stupid idea. Hey, there's nothing that just comes together in order. It all just, it's a second law of thermodynamics. Things break down and fall apart. You've got to add energy for something to come out better. You don't just all of a sudden, whoop, there's an explosion. Well, look at that. We've got a universe that has life. Wow, isn't that amazing? doesn't happen that way. It has to happen through specific design and not by chance. For you to do anything good, it's got to be God working in you and you saying, okay, God, I'm going to church and there's people that need, need encouraged, that need blessed. Brother, sometimes it's not very easy. Sometimes. Jesus, all he did was love people. And he was hated. A man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. That's not an excuse not to just come in and and be so, so careful, so kind. I'm not... I'm not preaching to you, don't say anything wrong, don't act anything wrong, don't, don't do anything wrong, don't mess anything up. I'm telling you to come in and help somebody. Be a blessing to as many people as you can. Hallelujah. You know, Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. Now, Paul steps into this, and I know there's some that maybe in your mind you're thinking, well, Jesus said, call no man father. In the kind of attitude of that understanding that, that God alone is our life giver. But there is a role that he, God is comparing the church to. Not that we're calling you father, but that you're like a father. Like a, someone who, who nurtures and, and encourages and teaches. And Paul steps into that role too. And he's not saying, I want you to address me now as father. But he says to them, you're like my beloved sons. And I'm warning you, for you have... Though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, listen, there's always going to be people with their opinion. There's always going to be people that talk a lot. And they know 
everything. Just ask them. But Paul is saying, you don't have many fathers. What's the difference between an instructor and a father? Somebody who's just knows it all, but somebody who invests themselves in you. Somebody that cares. You know. They, they, they don't say, I'm there for you. I'm, I'm your friend. But they don't have to say it. They, they, they live it. They care. and Your victories are their victories. Amen. Your hurts are their hurts. Amen. And Paul is saying, you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. There's not many people in church that are going to fill that role of a spiritual mentor, a spiritual pillar, if you will. Somebody that you can count on, that they, they're not going to be reckless. They're not going to say hurtful things. Can I tell you something so valuable? I've seen people just say, oh, you know what? I'm sorry I said that. It was no big deal. Words don't go away that easy. Sometimes children carry harsh words with them the rest of their lives. You can say something in a reckless fit of anger or something. You're going, that is, that is, Jesus talked about that millstone. Because words have the power of life and death. And when you can say, ah, oh, I didn't really mean anything by it. Jesus said, you'll be justified or condemned by your words. And that there will be no idle words that won't come up on judgment day. He said, you have not many fathers. That, that takes some, some intentional action. That when you come to church and you have faith and you have maturity in God, and, but that you can intentionally say, now my prayers, my worship, my time in church is not just give me, give me, but now how can I be a blessing in that? Praise the Lord. You pick up responsibility. Isn't that the difference maybe between children and fathers? That you have responsibility. That when you walk in the door, I take responsibility for revival. Amen. You know children have grown up when they start taking responsibility for what's going on around the house. Amen. They're not just there to take. They're, they're helping out. They're giving. Not out of threat of life and limb. <laughs> they're taking responsibility. When you come into the house of God and say, I'm not just putting it on the pastor. Amen. This service, I believe God's going to work and I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do my part as the body of Christ to, to make this an atmosphere that, that somebody can get saved, that somebody can get healed, that somebody can get filled. Amen. Taking responsibility for that. I've had a long day. You had a long day probably because you were taking responsibility for things. You had a difficult time. And that doesn't mean you just let it all go when you come into the house of God. When you take responsibility, go to work for a living, and you deal with a lot of garbage, and then you have to come home, and, and, and you say, well, now I can just be reckless. And now you mess up everything that's really the most important things in your life. You were responsible in a job, but irresponsible in a home. That's not so smart. Well, I'll try to behave myself at home and I come to church. No, he's still got to 
as a father, as a as a parent, you you're you're taking responsibility and saying, you know what, pastor's not the only one carrying a burden. Amen. Thank God for kind words in this house. But I'm telling you, of course, God alone gets the glory. But it's not a one-man show. And too often it's been people pulling against and tearing down. And, and really, if you want to understand, uh, it has to be about people. That a true leader is looking out for the weak ones. The weakest. Hey, that's where my focus is. And the day that you are so mature in your own mind that you can point out the weak ones and laugh at the weak ones rather than focus in and try to help them. You're not a father, you're a bully. A sad, insecure bully that doesn't understand what it really means to grow up and take responsibility for God's kingdom. So, so important. Amen said you have 10,000 instructors. Anybody, 10,000 instructors, anybody can say what you're supposed to do. Anybody can sit back and criticize, can then be the armchair quarterback, armchair pastor maybe. <laughs> it's easy to sit back and talk about it. It's nothing to get in church and say, here's how revival happens. Here's how you get in and strengthen and encourage and be a blessing. That's what really matters. It's not the one that talks about it. But it's those that will step into that role of, of responsibility. The fathers that have known him from the beginning. You have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. What's Paul saying? He's saying there's examples in the house of God that have been put there to nurture you, to help you, to... Find out, look at those that are, that are, that are laborers, that are helpers, that, and, and, and follow their faith. Follow their faith. See that. Don't, don't try to say, well, they're doing really good, and wow, they seem to really be a blessing and have a, have a blessing. You know, I, I hope I get it. I hope I, I do that good. You don't have to hope. You learn. And follow the teaching and the examples that God's put in your life. And those of you that are examples, God's using you. God's using you to be a blessing. Take that seriously. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God and do it for the benefit of His kingdom. Not for prideful reasons, not for reputation, but but for the glory of God. God is not going to reward anything you've done in His name that was done in pride. You already have your reward. If you're looking for recognition, you're a failure. If you're looking to be exalted, you're a failure. When you're looking to serve, when you're looking to nurture, when you're looking to give of yourself, to spend yourself, that's when... When you get God's attention, that's, that's being great in the kingdom of God. There are always, we pray, going to be children. There's always going to be those that they need a lot of learning, a lot of growing. It's always going to happen. I hope it does. I hope so. Paul said in Romans 14, For who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. 
You do what you can do to nurture. You do what you can do to strengthen. I thank God I feel like more than ever that vision, that understanding is, is being realized. It's being, it's, people are owning that and saying, I haven't always been that aware of the work that we're doing. I've been a recipient. I've been blessed by it. But I've never really put myself into the understanding of the burden that sometimes children are. Hello? Amen. The, the joy, but the, the work, the hard work. And being able to say, you know what, I want to be a part of that. I want to help lift that burden. I want to help carry that load. I want to, I want to be a part of the hell. I don't want to be somebody the pastor has to make excuses for. To say, hey, we're trying to help them all we can, but you don't want to follow their example. Don't want you to want you to be full of God's light and God's truth, and and that takes purpose. It takes somebody praying about this throughout the week and purposefully saying, "I want to, I want to be a part of what God is doing here. I want to build that up. I want to be a part of the process of caring and encouraging the growth of the house of God." That's how you hear well done. That's Because that's what God's interested in. When you reach the finish line and you are, you're blessed and blessed and blessed and God's been so good to you. But you've not helped the kingdom of God be nurtured and grow. To be blessed, to help those that, are, that need the help that you got. The mercy, the patience that you got. You won't hear, well done. But when you put your heart into to helping the, the ones that need help, to loving the ones that really need love, to be a giver and not a taker, that's what a parent is. That's what a father or mother is, a giver. A giver. Oh, God, thank you for givers in the house of God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Oh, thank you, Lord. I told you, just some instruction. So many battles, so many challenges, difficulties that we face doing the will of God. But, but the people that have the mind of Christ, the people that understand what God is really trying to do. See, the mind of Christ really, you read it there in the book of Philippians, I believe it is, that it's not just keeping your mind clean and not thinking dirty thoughts. It's a humble mind, a mind of a servant. A mind that's not worried about its reputation, a mind that's worried about serving others, meeting the need. Because Jesus, Almighty God, made known in the flesh, humbled himself under the cross because there was a need. The mind of Christ is a humble mind that says, I'll take up my cross so that we can see souls nurtured. See young Christians that stumble and fail nurtured. See those that don't understand, that have so many questions, not made to feel uncomfortable, made to feel unwelcome, no. Made to be 
feel like they have value in the house of God. Oh, help us. It's my heart. It's my heart's desire. I know this is what Jesus bled and died for. That we could see a harvest. That we could see souls changed, transformed. Hallelujah. Let's all come. Just ask God, Lord, use me. What can you do through me, God? I want to I wanna be purposeful, intentional. I want to be intentional. The words that I speak.
you say matters. Your friendship, your kindness, your patience, your forbearance matters. Amen. 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 God bless you, church.